2: Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. You're listening to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network, where we offer you podcasts of the supernatural and the unexplained. Get ready now for Shades of the Afterlife with Sandra Champlain.
3: Hi, I'm Sandra Champlain. For over 25 years, I've been on a journey to prove the existence of life after death. On each episode, we'll discuss the reasons we now know that our loved ones have survived physical death, and so will we. Welcome to Shades of the Afterlife. Have you seen the new show on Netflix called Live to 100, Secrets of the Blue Zones? It popped up randomly in my Netflix feed, and I thought I would take a look. Basically, it's just a four-part series of a man who went to investigate different areas of the world where there were a high percentage of people that lived to over 100 years old. Now, I know we talk about the afterlife here, but I do think one of the reasons we're interested in the afterlife is to make sure that we go on. I don't think any of us are ready to die. And with that, I think comes maybe having a long life while we're here. So I recommend it, I really do. There's some basics from all of it that really hit home with me. After this man traveled to the different places, there were many, many reasons he thought people lived to be over 100 years old. And certainly one of the most obvious is what people eat. So a lot of people in the different areas of the world ate a lot of natural foods, ate a lot of beans, not a lot of processed food, a little bit of wine is okay, the Mediterranean diet, and another obvious one, is physical activity. It's not that people are exercising. They live and have a lot of activity, whether they do light gardening, whether they live in a community where they walk into town to get their groceries. So that seems pretty obvious. What wasn't so obvious to me is how much people need people. In fact, people that end up going to retirement centers have a six-year shorter lifespan than those who have family care for them. I live in America and I grew up with this. My first jobs were working in nursing homes and I saw just how many people live alone with not much stimulation, some group activities, yes, but very rarely did family come visit them. I know other countries are different, but this Netflix series showed me how important it is that we take care of those we love. And I'm lucky enough that I get to be with my mom and care for her. She cares for me too. So I'm lucky that way. There are places in the world like Singapore that encourage families to be together, even give government grants, give them money in order to look after their loved ones. So caring for family, that's a big one. Another one was having a reason to live, having something to do. We've heard stories that when people retire, so often they give up their will to live because they don't have a job to go to. There were people all over the world, even over 100 years old, one old guy was horseback riding and still tending to his cows. We need to have that sense of purpose as a human Loneliness can kill us. Important that we stay connected. I know it's difficult. I know there are many people that are alone, but maybe look to see, is there a class that you can take? Is there an opportunity to volunteer? Maybe a part-time job, even if you don't need the money, to get you out with people. And also we live in a time where there's a lot of online things, Yes, it's not a substitution for physically being with people, but I think there's a lot we can look forward to. Every Sunday, I do the free Sunday gathering at two o'clock New York time, and we have a congregation of over 200 people that come regularly, and that's their Sunday service. It's an opportunity to interact with people, and of course, we always Try to put a smile on your face. And we have the medium demonstration included. You've heard me talk about the online medium classes that we have. Even if you don't want to be a medium, it's nice to learn how your soul communicates. It's nice to be with a group of people and meet new friends. And I tell you, there are people in our classes that have made friends for life, even if they're on the opposite sides of the world. It gives us something to look forward to. So whether you join me or you join something else, just keep those things in mind that we need to be with people. We need to have something to look forward to. And also if we can take care of our family members. And then when we get older, we hope our kids and our nieces and nephews will take care of us. And as I've started talking about community, I wanna make this episode a little bit about community as well. We have a Facebook group. If you go to wedontdie.com, right there on the top of the page, you'll see Facebook group. Come join us. I just posed a question to our community. If they have experienced a loved one passing who could see through the veil or had a visitation from a loved one who's already died there for them to help them across, these are called deathbed visitations. And I know I spoke heavy about this on episode one hundred and twenty two with hospice doctor Christopher Kerr, who studied somewhere around seventeen hundred dying folks at the hospice he works at. And come to find out, several weeks before someone passes, they are having true to life visitations. Technically, their dreams, they happen with their eyes closed very often but they can also happen with them open. And the people that are coming for them, let them know that they're going on some kind of a trip, usually, pack their bags, get ready. There's some kind of train or plane or automobile often involved. They recognize people from their younger days. They see them just as clearly as they may see you being in the room with them. So I asked my friends, listeners in the Facebook group if anyone had any stories. And so today I want to share some of these stories. These people don't have books. They may never have their voice shared. But I think it's important to hear stories and for you to know that this really happens. No one leaves this earth alone. We don't. Even if people are loaded with medication And you may not witness them seeing their loved ones helping them across. There is someone helping them over, making them feel comfortable. Death is as easy as when we put our head on the pillow at night. And then you know how sleep just takes us over? Well, that's the dying process as well. And even if someone gets taken out of this world by some kind of an accident, not a natural death, believe me. There's a greeting committee right there welcoming them home. And from all the people that I've talked to that have had near-death experiences, where we go seems more real than the life we currently live. Makes us feel like this life is just a dream. We have work to do while we're here on planet Earth. We want to live a good long life. But when we transition, we are cared for. So let's get into some of these stories. Gloria says, my mom saw her five siblings and her two parents before she transitioned. Sue says, when my BFF was dying of cancer, she was fighting. She didn't want to die. She was still a young 60 years old. The day before her body gave out, she became at peace. She stopped fighting and said, I love you all, but my dad's here. And I'm going to go with him. Bella says, as a nurse, I had a patient who was actively dying. I stayed by her side and comforted her as much as I could. After about 20 minutes, she began to wave towards the corner of the room. She had this immediate glow of joy. She grabbed my hand and said, look, say hello to my mom. She began reaching out her arms to the empty corner of the room. She died within an hour. So yes, I can confirm these things definitely happen. Kay says, my mother had a massive heart attack. She was dead for a few moments before being revived. A few weeks later, she was finally able to speak. She told us that she saw her deceased parents, first husband, brothers, sisters, and friends all sitting around a card table playing poker. They turned to her and told her they couldn't deal her in just yet. James says, My grandmother died almost two months ago. I never heard her talk much of her own grandmother until the day she passed away. She saw her grandmother and would try to hug her. These stories are real. These things really happen, he says. Debbie says, When my older brother was dying, he saw his mother, who had died several years ago, sitting on the bed. Then he told his son to be careful and not sit on grandma. Then, a little later, he kept looking at the blank wall over my head. Then he would look away and back again. I was watching him. Then he finally said to me, Hey, Deb, where do those stairs go? I looked up and saw nothing. I said, What stairs? Then I quietly moved my chair away. I didn't want to be in the way of whatever was going to happen with those stairs. He passed away a few hours after. Erica says, Brian's great-grandmother during her dying process kept speaking about a baby angel, a sweet boy, redhead, said that he was tickling her feet, kept pointing at him at the foot of her bed. No one in the room except my husband knew that I was a month pregnant. Eight months later, we had Keegan, a beautiful red-headed boy. We know it was him that was there. The family spirits had brought him with them when they came to get her. Susan says, my Bill. He passed last year and had no beliefs about the afterlife. Soon before he passed, he saw my mom. She passed in 1996 and started waving at her. He said that he missed her. Connie says, my dad said he saw a man in a suit and a woman in a white dress and auburn hair enter his nursing home room several times before he passed. He said he wasn't sure what they wanted, but they seemed very nice. On his last day, he told us he was going to be with his mom now. The crazy thing is, A friend's mom was in the same nursing home and described the exact same couple in her room before she passed. We'll be right back. You're listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network.
1: With BetterHelp, visit BetterHelp.com/shades today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, hel slash shades
0: This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu
2: On the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network Listen Listen anytime, anytime, anyplace. anyplace
0: At PurdueGlobal.edu. Hey everyone, it's the Wizard of Weird, Joshua P. Warren. And now,
4: here's more Shades of the Afterlife.
3: Welcome back to Shades of the Afterlife. I'm Sandra Champlain, and I'm reading to you some of your fellow listeners' stories of when their relatives and friends passed and the deathbed visitors they had at their bedside. Now, here's a couple of words from Dr. Christopher Kerr, who wrote the book, Death is But a Dream. Hospice doctor he is. He says, what seems to happen is that there's a progression when seeing these people, it lessens the fear of death. The stories are just remarkable. Even the ones that seem negative are probably the most transformational or meaningful. Somebody, for example, had PTSD, and in his end of life dreams, he was comforted by seeing soldiers that he felt survivor's guilt from, and then he could sleep. He found peace. What is also fascinating is who is in the dreams, and far and away, It was the people who loved or secured us the best, those who love us unconditionally. You could be 95 years old, but it could be your mother's voice from when you were five years old that you hear. It's really quite profound. So let me continue reading more stories. This story is from Carrie, and this is more of a shared death experience, one of the precognitive dreams. She says, I grew up in a great neighborhood. Saturday, during high school football season, my neighbor Mr. Anderson would tell all of the neighborhood kids that anyone who wants to go to the game be at his station wagon by 8 a.m. and he'd leave once it was full. I was 10 or 11 years old and one of the first to be there every Saturday. This continued for years And because of his generosity, I got to experience the fun of connecting with my neighbors as well as becoming a huge football fan well into my early 50s. I moved from that neighborhood when I was 19 years old and haven't seen Mr. Anderson since. A few years ago, I had a very vivid dream. He came to me in this dream and thanked me for being a good kid and was happy that I had such a good time at the football games. He was talking to me in a white hospital gown in a hospital bed. The next day, I was chatting with my mom and I told her about the dream. She told me he had passed the night before from cancer. Amy says, my cousin came to say goodbye while I was stopped waiting to cross the border into Canada. I hadn't yet been told she'd passed. She made me aware of her presence in so many ways. It was a beautiful experience for me, undeniable proof of life after death. Lisa says, my great-grandmother was a tiny, four-foot-something Polish woman named Anastasia. She lived to be 100 years old and died sometime in the late 1960s. I have a few memories of visiting with her, but she spoke no English. Her sons were taller and lankier, and to be humorous, they jokingly called her Little brown mustard in a jar. No clue why. Anyway, as my papa lay dying in the hospital in the early 90s, he sat up, looked into the corner of the room, and mouthed, Little brown mustard in a jar. Linda says, Twelve years ago, I had a vision of my dad going up these bluish stairs and thought, he's ready to go. I told him it's okay to go. He was 85 had dementia and diabetes. That night, I got a call from my mom that he had passed. It was a comfort that he came to say goodbye to me. I had a medium reading, and the medium told me that my dad visited me before he passed, and he was grateful for me saying he can go. Jane says, my mum, a couple of days before her passing, was explaining to someone her symptoms. I sat by her bedside and just listened as she chatted away to someone. And she said, see, it is beautiful. Linda says, my friend Ruth passed around 30 years ago. Before Wi-Fi and cell phones, I dreamed of her looking happy at a cocktail party. A few days later, I got a letter saying, That she had passed. Marceline says, I was by my mother's side as she died, and I felt myself rise out of my body, an out-of-body experience where I was at the ceiling watching myself wailing in grief as the nurse came in, closed my mother's eyelids, and covered her with a sheet and guided me to the hospital hallway where I felt myself zapped back into my body. So a few of these are definitely in the world of shared death experiences. And if you haven't yet heard the interview I did with Dr. Raymond Moody and Paul Perry just a few episodes ago, you want to go back and visit that. Francis says, When I would go to visit my father in the hospital before he passed, he would tell me he spent the day with his dad at the farm and with the horses. His father had long passed. He would also speak to relatives that had passed as if they were in the room. As we know, they were. He would also look into the corner of the room and say, I'm not ready yet. He was originally from the Netherlands, and in his last days, he would speak a lot of Dutch. Jennifer says, my father saw his sister shortly before he passed 20 years ago. He had never met her. She was older and stillborn, but he and my grandmother often visited her gravesite. She told him they would be waiting for him. I asked him how he knew it was her, and he said, I just know. Francis says, my mother's health was declining for about a year before she passed. She started seeing her father standing at the foot of her bed at night. Later, she saw her mother and her father and said it was clear as day. She wasn't scared. I knew they were waiting for the right time to escort her over. Shanna says, My dad was in hospice care, and I remember him telling me about his dreams. He said they were so real that he was beginning to have trouble determining what was real and what was a dream. Days before he passed, he was talking to his mother and his father, who had passed. He told us he was going home with them. Susan says, My children's father that had transitioned four months ago would say, Hi, Mom, several times before he took his last breath. Although he was unable to communicate, his eyes would focus on a specific area of the room. He seemed unaware that his earthly family was surrounding his bed. Isabel says, Many years ago, an elderly neighbor who had no family rang me late one Friday evening. I was up watching TV. She asked for my help as she was ill. I went over to see what I could do, and I rang the doctor and was with her until 2 a.m. when they came. I had set up her sofa bed in the lounge. As her toilet was downstairs and she had mobility problems, the doctor left a prescription and said to ring again if she doesn't improve. I got her prescription the next day and went over a number of times over the weekend. She seemed to improve. On the Sunday evening, her friend, another elderly neighbor, came in to sit with her for a while. I stayed too. Her friend was chatting to her at the side of the sofa bed, and I was sitting facing her. I saw her look past me, and her face lit up with a look of surprise and joy. I followed her gaze, but couldn't see what she was looking at. The next morning, Sunday, when I went in, she was dead. I think she must have seen her beloved husband and family gathering to take her home. Forty years later, I can still see the look of amazement and joy on her face with the most beautiful smile. Nada says, My father's last few hours... He started pointing and said, my friends are here to pick me up in a car. You know, my father hated to fly. And from Heidi Marie, she says, a few years before my dad passed from end stage kidney failure, he said a man kept visiting him in his room. One time he said the man was in a car when we picked him up from dialysis. We could not see the man he was describing, but he insisted he was in the back seat. His companion who had dementia said her dad was at the kitchen table waiting to take her home. She passed a few months later. John says, My grandmother was in a coma for days, my mom with her. She told us that her mom opened her eyes, sat up, and said, They're here! Mom said, Who? Grandma said, The angels. Can't you see them? Sharon says, When my grandmother was passing, she became awake and said she was going on an airplane. She named all the relatives who had passed that were going with her. My grandmother didn't know that my auntie had passed in the weeks before this, and she said she saw her on the plane. My uncle was diagnosed with cancer, and she was unaware of this. She said he would be on the plane also. He passed a couple of months later. We all believed that our past loved ones were there to take her. In 2020, my mother had a heart attack and was brought back to life three times. When she awoke in the intensive care unit, the first thing she said was, Dad came to get me, but I sent him away. But now I want him to come back. My mom survived a further week and wanted to go back every day asking me to turn her off and let her go. When she came back, I'm sure she had seen a better place. She was a younger version of herself, fun with not a care in the world, and all of her worries were gone. In the last minutes of her life, while sitting beside her, the curtain in her hospital room moved as if someone was there. I said out loud, Dad, if that's you, take her. She really wants to go. She then slipped off to the other side. Fast forward to a medium reading I had later. My dad came through and told the medium that he moved the green curtain and he and mom danced to the song, I Did It My Way. This was the song that was played at my dad's funeral. I really do believe loved ones come to collect when it's time. Well, my arms are filled with goosebumps. How about you? It's time for our next break, and we'll be back with more stories. We love stories. Yes, we do. You're listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM, Paranormal Podcast Network.
1: Stay there. Sandra will be right back.
0: This is it. Your moment.
4: visit paramountplus.com slash the shot to get a 50% discount off the paramount plus with showtime annual plan offer ends july 14th subscription auto renews restrictions apply
3: hi this is ouija board expert karen a dahlman and you're listening to the iheart radio and coast-to-coast am paranormal podcast network
0: this is it your moment
2: at purdueglobal.edu. And now back to Sandra Champlain and Shades of the Afterlife.
3: To Shades of the Afterlife. I'm Sandra Champlain. You and I are each on our own spiritual journeys. We are discovering what makes sense, what we believe in. Maybe we've had some signs. Personally, I don't want to go through a near-death experience, but it's nice to learn from people who have had them. It's also nice to hear hundreds, if not thousands of stories of people witnessing their loved ones pass and all the loved ones that are there taking them across the veil. I find it very comforting. In our time together, I can't tell you thousands of stories, but I can tell you where you can read thousands of stories. Go to YouTube type in deathbed visions. And so many people have posted different stories about it. Now, I'm not telling you to watch those stories. I'm asking you to look in the comment section. There you will find hundreds, if not thousands, of people telling what they witnessed when their loved one passed. Also, I wanna recommend you type in hospice nurse And you have three to choose from, hospice nurse Julie, hospice nurse Penny, hospice nurse Hadley, all three and maybe even more hospice nurses have their own YouTube channel. Part of what they talk about are these deathbed visions. Also, they talk about terminal lucidity when people can be bright-eyed and seem like they're coming back to life only to pass moments later they have incredible stories but not just about these topics but they can rest your mind about the dying process like i said i'm on my journey too i have not fully embraced and discovered so much of what these hospice nurses have to say But I think with anything, before going on a journey, we're going to prepare ourselves. We might get a guidebook on the area, what to expect. We will have booked our plane tickets. We will have packed our bags. There's preparation to be done. When we listen to these hospice nurses who all share similar stories of the dying process, I think if we make ourselves comfortable with it, There won't be any surprises and the fear will be lessened. I think it's normal to fear, but if we have a loved one show up, how great would that be? On our last episode together, I was sharing about a book and children's near-death experiences. And the author, also a doctor, said that so many of the narcotics that are used to comfort people around the time of death takes away their memories, their short term memories. So it's possible your loved one may have experienced these things, or may be a little too drugged up to experience it. But with the thousands of accounts that I know of, of people being by the bedside of a loved one, and having them see into heaven, there's no doubt in my mind, each and every one of us is supported. So sometime Go check out Hospice Nurse Julie, Penny, Hadley, or search for deathbed vision stories. And like I said, read the comments, because there is where you're going to find so many. So let me continue with some stories for you. Tarnia said, my dad was a healthy 83-year-old. In October 2013, I had a dream he was going to pass over. Two nights later, I had the exact same dream. I didn't know a time frame, but I told my mom about the dream, and I thought it was some kind of a warning of his passing. I felt like he would not make it to Christmas, which was some nine weeks away. He passed of a massive heart attack in my mom's arms on a Saturday morning during breakfast six weeks later. He then visited me in my dreams a week later before his funeral and said he was in no pain, and he was at peace. He told me he loved me, and now my husband would look after mom and me and my sister. I did not tell anyone, as the next day I was busy preparing for the funeral. After the funeral, my husband told me that my dad had also visited him in his dreams the night before, and told him that it was now his job to look after his girls. My husband waited to tell me until after the funeral because he did not want to upset me. Dad had come to reassure both of us that he was okay. This story is from B. My daughter had a high school friend whose mother was terminal. She was in the living room by herself and was overheard talking to someone. Her husband came in the room and asked who she was talking to. She responded, I was talking to my dad, who was deceased. He's coming to get me. And she passed the following day. Betty says, My husband died in 2018 after a three-week stay in the hospital unconscious. On the Wednesday before he died, he was awake and told me he had seen so many of his family members. I didn't say much because I thought he had been dreaming. Now I understand that he actually did see them. He was so happy. It brought him joy and He remained lucid until I got home on a Friday and then he passed on the bathroom floor on the Saturday night. Now I understand it is what they call rallying before the end of life and I do believe he saw his relatives. Now I wish that I asked him who he saw. And this is from MJ. My husband's grandmother was in the hospital after a fall. By all accounts, she appeared to be on the mend. One day, my husband walked into her room and asked how she was. She said, great, Ronnie came to visit me last night, and we had a nice conversation. Ronnie died 20 years earlier. My husband's grandmother died three days later. I believe these things, and I know they are designed to bring peace for the dying and hope for the living. And from Linda, my dad passed away a little more than a year ago at the age of 97. The morning of his last day, his caregiver heard him talking to someone. She asked him who it was. He said he was talking to his sister that had passed away at the age of 100 a few months before. His sister was older than my father, but she had adored him and had taken care of him when he was young. He died that evening, and I have to tell you, I was so comforted knowing my dad's big sister had come to get him. Here's another story. My friend Ruth, aged 101 in her deathbed, was fading in and out of consciousness while smiling excitedly and happily telling me, I'm going home, I'm going home. They're taking me home. And I asked her, who is taking you home? She didn't answer. She looked at me matter-of-factly as though I was asking a silly question and I should know who it was. Dee says, My mother, grandmother, and great-grandmother all had visions of a deceased family member coming to see them before they passed away, and each of them said that a family member all different was coming to get them and take them back home. Verna said, my brother dying of cancer saw my late father waving to him from a street corner while riding in a car. His wife dismissed it, saying it was a hallucination. During the night, he woke his wife up to tell her that our dad was standing at the foot of the bed smiling at him. She told him, Go back to sleep. The next morning, he died, and his wife understood that our dad was coming to take my brother Jimmy home. Here's another story from a lady. I was my mother's caretaker. When she was at the end of her life in the last nine weeks, she was in the hospital and it was the most amazing experience I could have ever had. What she saw those last nine weeks of her life were her family, even her beloved pet who had died many years before and even saw heaven and told me what it looked like before she passed away. She kept saying how sweet it smelled and she had never smelled anything so fragrant. She kept talking about the flowers and the waterfalls that were so beautiful. Butch says, A good friend of mine's brother died of leukemia when he was only seven years old. On the day he died, he asked several times who the nice man sitting in the corner of the room was. The man was seen by no one else. He died peacefully and with a smile. Reg says, my dad passed away last January at the age of 85. He died peacefully in his sleep. I was actually with him the moment he died. His oxygen level was slowly dropping. I tried to wake him up a few times, but he wouldn't wake up. I finally just told him not to worry about us, that he could go. A few years before that, he had lost two of his older sisters within four months apart. As dad was dying, he started seeing his own dad, my grandpa, sometimes even calling his name out. He'd tell us that he was also seeing his older sisters who had passed away. Sometimes he'd point to a corner of the room and say that dad was standing there and telling him that he's doing good, but he would be with them soon. It hasn't been a year yet since my father died. I still miss him, but I know he's not alone. And this is from Ray. When my dad left, he looked at me, his eldest son, and said, Your mother is here for me. Can I go? I said, I don't want you to go, but if mom is here, I will see you both later. Dad closed his eyes and stopped breathing. May all of us be lucky to leave this world like that. And from Karen, a few weeks before my mom died, she was bedbound, but she was at a party drinking champagne and eating chicken. She was laughing it up with all kinds of people, having a great time. I thought it was really weird, but she was happy. She just kept making gestures of eating and drinking. She was telling these invisible people all about herself and her life. Later in the day, when the deacon came to visit, Mom introduced him to these people. My uncle, my mom's brother who died years earlier, and others. Mom had a peaceful transition and died at home just as she wanted to, with me, my brother and sister, by her side, supported by hospice. It was beautiful, although very painful, to say goodbye to her. Death and grief are painful, but we will see them again. So let's go into our last break, and we'll be back. You're listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM, Paranormal Podcast Network.
1: it here on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Sanders Champlain will be right back.
0: This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today
4: at purdueglobal.edu The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the south side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn. Alliances will shift and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime Annual Plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply.
2: The Art Bell Vault never disappoints. Classic audio at your fingertips. Go now to CoastToCoastAM.com for full details.
0: This is it at purdueglobal.edu.
1: Hey everyone, it's producer Tom of Coast to Coast AM and more Sandra starts right now.
3: Shades of the Afterlife. I'm Sandra Champlain. I wanted to close this episode with some really powerful words, but no one can say it better than Dr. Martha Jo Atkins. She's the author of the book Signposts of Dying, and she does end-of-life mentoring and so much more. You can find out more about her at MarthaJoAtkins.com. Here she is.
5: I'd like for you all to transport in time with me. We're gonna go back to 1932. My mother went with her family to a house in 1932, and she told me about going up the stairs, taking a little uh, break to the right, and there was a room there. There were flowers. There were people talking. She was little, so she's looking up at everybody. And the dearly departed was there laid out on a chair between two boards. Between, well, he wasn't that big. One board, two chairs. How many of you have seen something like that. Yes, if you're of a certain age, perhaps. We've taken death out of the home, and when we took death out of the home, we stopped learning about dying and what to do about it. And when we stop learning how to do something or what to do, we get scared. And when we get scared of something, very often we stop talking about it. So we have, uh, in this country, We don't talk about death and dying very often. I'm a death educator and a death researcher, and that makes me a little crazy. So we're gonna talk about death and dying today. I wanna start by telling you about my mother. My mother opted to go on hospice in 2005, and she and I had a lot of frank conversations. I said to her one afternoon, Mom, you may have some visitors when it's your time to go. You may have angels or family members. I don't know who's gonna show up, but somebody may show up. Will you tell me if somebody comes? And she's walking down the hall, and she looks over her shoulder, and she said, "Hmm, Depends on who it is. (laughs) I said, Okay. I have no idea what that means. (laughs) Four months later, she was in the hospital bed in the living room at her house, and her eyes were closed, and I was watching her track something underneath her eyelids. And I said, Mom, what do you see? She said, Daddy Charlie, grandmother, mother and daddy. Uncle Claude and Aunt Lala, she had this beautiful smile on her face. I said, where are they? Walking up the road from the farmhouse. My brother Jim had been gone about 13 years. He had died some 13 years before, and, and I expected him to be there. I'd had a dream that he was sitting in a chair, his legs crossed reading a book. So I said, Mom, where's Jim? Oh, he's been right here. The night she died, my mom was reaching up towards something I couldn't see. And I didn't know then that that was part of a deathbed phenomenon until I began my research. And here's some other things I learned. For six centuries, anecdotal accounts and a little bit of research have detailed the auditory, visual, and tactile experiences of those nearing death. Most often, people are uh, met by friends or family members. The purpose seems to be to help the dying person with the death experience. And most often, these visions are comforting. People see angels, people see religious entities that are important to them, people see landscapes, people hear music. Kids have kid-friendly visions. There was a pediatric hospice here in San Antonio in the 80s, and the story went that there was a boy there that was dying. He complained to the nurse about the noise in the corner, the noisy boys in the corner, and the nurse looked over and there wasn't anybody, and she said, who's there? And he named off three names of three kids who had been at that hospice before he got there. These experiences happen all over the world, all religion, all cultures, all ages. They happen to people who are blind, they happen to people who are deaf. Some researchers say, this is the limbic system gone crazy, these are purely hallucinations, Um, these are embedded memories of a lifetime that are coming out. Others say, this is proof of the soul's existence after death. And my conjecture is this, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter why they happen, it matters that they do. In my research, I talked with people who were at the bedside when somebody was dying. One wife said to me, she was talking to her husband one afternoon, and said, do you ever see anybody or hear anybody? She said, in her estimation, he was completely lucid. He had had a little bit of pain medication. He was doing a Sudoku puzzle. And he said, yeah, there's a soldier that comes and stands by my bed at night and keeps me company. And there's a dog that come, comes and lays by my feet in the afternoon. And he went on to describe a beloved family pet that had been theirs early in their marriage. Witnesses in my research talked about how they saw something happening and they knew they didn't need to do anything about it. So when Mrs. Harrison walked in and saw Mr. Harrison talking to somebody, she was a little perplexed, but she asked him about it. He was terrified to die. He had been horribly abused as a child, terrified to die, afraid his family was going to come. Instead, on the scene came this seven-year-old boy named Jimmy. Mrs. Harrison said she went with it. She said, I really didn't know what else to do, I just went with it. And Jimmy stayed with Mr. Harrison the last two weeks of his life and kept him company and helped his transition be an easier one as he left this world. Witnesses talked about how they recognized that the phenomenon that were happening were signs that death was near even when experts said that wasn't the case. They saw the signs. And they knew the difference between hallucinations and visions. So hallucinations for them didn't have any kind of context and were frightening, anxiety-provoking, versus the visions, which did have a context and brought great comfort. When I work with families now, I tell them, your person may see things you can't see, they may hear things you can't see, they may reach up to the sky, they may look through you, they may talk in metaphors about moving, or leaving, or going. Even though they're bed they need their shoes, or they need their map, or they need their purse, or they need to get to the stadium. they got to get somewhere. One mom said, just before her three-year-old died, he said, Daddy, the train's here. I've got to go now. For that mom, and for other folks in my research, these visions, these deathbed phenomena, were of great comfort to them. When we educate families about these experiences and when we educate the patient about these experiences, there's less fear. And my goodness, we need less fear around death and dying. I had the opportunity to work with a family named Butch, which was 94. He had congestive heart failure and he decided he needed to go on hospice. He was ready. I got a text one afternoon from his daughter that the visions had started and everything was okay. His daughter talked about how Butch was often in the other room, and this is the language she used for him being there talking with the unseen versus over here talking to the daughter and the other people who were in the room. And he was often in the other room. So one afternoon, I forgot to say, Butch was a pretty famous rugby player in South Africa in his day. So one afternoon, in the other room, the rugby team came to visit Butch. Now, his family had also come. His parents had come, his brothers and sisters, but there was the rugby team. The rugby team had come in on really long ladders, came down, stayed with them. They had a really big party, and then the rugby team left. They left shorter ladders, and Butch was ticked because the ladders were too short and he couldn't get up to where they were. Another day, he was ticked off because his suitcase was packed and he was ready to go, and they left without him. Another day... He held out his hand, and he said to his daughter, I've got these machine parts. I don't want to lose them. This is a very common metaphor for the dying. There's some bigger, whole picture, and there are pieces missing, and they've got to make sure it's whole. He's got these parts in his hand. She went and got a Ziploc. And let me tell you why I love that. Because more often than not, people reach for medication to quell something they don't understand, and they miss an opportunity to connect with the person They miss an opportunity to meet the dying person where they are. She didn't miss it. Is any of this real? I say yes. Yes, it's real because it's real to the people it happens to. I don't know how to measure those things that are beyond our ordinary human capacity for understanding. I'm a researcher. I don't know how to measure wonder. I know what it feels like. I do know what it feels like. And I know I feel great comfort myself when I think that my mom didn't leave this world by herself and the boy got to go on that train and Butch had his buddies around before he left. When I meet people at parties for the first time, think how much fun that is. What do you do for a living? <laughs> so I, I meet them and this, is, this, this happens. It is, gosh that's really nice. I'm gonna go get a drink and I never see them again. <laughs> Or something happens like happened at lunch today. Let me tell you a story. I've been scared to tell anybody because I didn't want anybody to think I was crazy. And I say, my goodness, I want to hear your story. Please tell me your story. It's these stories, yours and mine, that are going to bring comfort and hope and calm as we help the ones we love leave this world and as it is our own time to go. So if you have had a deathbed vision experience, a witness experience with somebody you love, would you raise your hand? Okay. I would like for you in the next 48 hours to tell somebody about that. The more we tell our stories, the more we're going to eradicate this fear. And it's really important. Steve Jobs said six words before he died. October 5, 2011, he died. I want to invite you to... Engage in your own sense of wonder as I leave you today. Minds wide open with Steve Jobs' last words. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Thank you.
3: And thank you, Martha Jo Atkins. My friends, it is very powerful. These visions that we have It takes away the fear of dying. And as Martha Jo said, share. It's great that we have this show together, but to be able to share and engage people in conversations like, hey, you ever hear of deathbed visions? These are just some of the stories I've just heard. And let people tell their stories. We need each other to really believe in this message. I want all of us to lose the fear of dying, know our loved ones are around, and be able to have a powerful life. Some brief announcements. I have a new Patreon club. If you want to join, you'll get access to a free copy of my book, plus all 550 plus episodes of all my podcasts that you can search and enjoy, all at wedontdie.com. Of course, join our free Sunday gathering, maybe take a medium class, Find something that empowers you, but most importantly, share your story. Keep learning. Keep the passion growing. I'm Sandra Champlain. Thank you for listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM, Paranormal Podcast Network.